Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to the Roto World Baseball Podcast. I'm DJ Short. This is our second episode of the regular season, our regular weekly episode. Ryan Boyer joined me for opening week last week, but this week marks the return of Drew Silva to the show. Drew, welcome back. How are you enjoying the start of the season? Um, it's been really fun. I'm, I'm sorry I missed last week. I was in New York for a wedding. Shout out to connor and leah finnegan who are definitely listening to this on their honeymoon in southeast asia (laughs) (laughs) why wouldn't you uh when you're in like vietnam or wherever they're going (laughs) right um yeah i mean no it's been interesting like i I was pretty much off the grid for the five days i was up there just checking twitter every once in a while so when i got back sunday it was kind of like catching up on on what had happened but now that I've got a full week of Roto World news and recaps shifts under me, I, I feel like I know what's going on again. That's good. <laughs> That's convenient, uh, given yep. that we're doing this show. But uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I still feel like we're getting into the rhythm of everything. And like, it's nice to have day games, but it still doesn't feel in sync with what the rest of the season is going to be like. Um, so it's still sort of an adjustment period, I think, for uh, everybody. Yeah, especially like for, for us who are we're trying to make predictions about guys, you know, people panic over, you know, an eight game stretch. Is this guy different? Like is Miguel Cabrera lost it because he had a bad week. Yeah. Oh, he just homered. He just homered today. He did. Um, you know, it's, it's just, there's a lot of overreactions and you kind of got to be careful about overreacting. I, I would say. Yeah. I mean, if it was an eight game stretch in June, like nobody would notice or pay attention, but yeah. uh, I mean, it, well, with, with Cabrera, there are like, there is the back injury that bothered him this spring, but um, I, I, I don't know. He, he always seems to battle some minor injuries and then, you know, he'll look bad at the plate and then all of a sudden he'll go off. Um, you know, he's one of the greatest hitters of all time. It's, you, you kind of just gotta believe that he's going to write the ship, a player like that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not too worried, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's sort of some lingering things with the back. That wouldn't be shocking at all. But I, I do expect him to, if healthy, if he stays on the field, he'll be pretty close to himself. But um, anyway, we're here to talk headlines of the week. And if we have some time, we'll also dig into the Roto World mailbag uh, to answer some of your fantasy questions. But before we get into that, quick reminder, subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts, whether that's iTunes or Stitcher. We're also available on Spotify, Google Play, Audio Boom, a bunch of other places as well. Um, and if you listen on iTunes, also consider rating and reviewing the show. It makes a big difference, and it helps more people find the show as well. So thanks for any help you can provide there. All right, so it feels like the big storyline of the week is some notable players around the game going on the disabled list or just having setbacks in general. And 
We should probably start at the catcher position with Gary Sanchez and Buster Posey. Sanchez strained a muscle behind his right biceps on a swing on Saturday. He was diagnosed Monday with a grade one strain with the expectation that he'll miss around four weeks. So we're talking around mid-May or so. Uh, Austin Romine and Kyle Higashioka will fill in behind the plate there um, over the next month. Definitely a tough blow if you drafted him early. And if he wasn't the top catcher off the board in your league, chances are Buster Posey was. And Posey landed on the seven-day concussion disabled list after he was hit in the head by a Taiwan Walker fastball during Monday's game. Uh, Giants manager Bruce Bochy said Wednesday that Posey reported feeling better. We'll have to see how he progresses over the next few days. If he's ready to return when he's eligible next week, he could serve as the designated hitter. The Giants are going to play an interleague series, a brief interleague series against the Royals, but you have to wonder if maybe the Giants are tempted to use Posey at first base more often and put Brandon Belt in left field. That's been a trouble spot for them so far. Yeah, I mean, with Sanchez, especially like in, in two catcher leagues this spring, my strategy was kind of to reach for Sanchez if I could, if I could grab him and then kind of wait to fill out my second catcher. And, um, you know, there's like no, I don't, I don't even know what to do, um, you know, over the next four to six weeks, how to fill that spot. Yeah, it's kind of a wasteland right now. Um, I was sort of looking at maybe some stopgap options and... Uh, guys still widely available. I was surprised to see Wellington Castillo uh, with the Orioles. He's still out there in over 30% of Yahoo League. So if you're in a 10-team league, he might still be available. I think he can make some sense. I like that setting for him. Uh, Steven Vogt still out there in about half of Yahoo Leagues, which is kind of surprising also. Um, I'd take him over Sandy Leone, who's off to a hot start. I didn't really believe in what he did last year. So mm-hmm. I would take Vote there. But Deeper league options, you know, there's Francisco Cervelli, not really a lot of upside, but, you know, he'll help your batting average, uh, gets on base. Uh, Travis Darneau, uh, I think he's better than what he showed last year. If healthy, I think he could be a a good contributor. Cameron Rupp, he's off to a really slow start, um, but I think he could help as well. Maybe someone like James McCann uh, with the Tigers um, has shown some useful power so far. Um, but I think someone to really keep in mind, and I, I put him in waiver wired uh, on Thursday, Devin Mezzarocco with the Reds. Um, could be a worthwhile stash. He's on a minor league rehab assignment right now. Um, could be with the Reds as soon as next week, uh, which is good to hear. Um, I'm not sure how much the Reds are going to play him. Probably after all the injuries he's had, it makes sense to maybe play him half the time. Yeah. Uh, just see how things go. But he's a guy, you know, He's, I guess, at this point, two year, three years removed from his his big power season, but it's still in there somewhere. Um, so for someone who's still out there in over ninety percent of Yahoo leagues, I think he could be worth stashing away. Um, you know, if he lost Sanchez this week, those are the first place Reds to you, DJ. Right, <laughs> they're seven and two, man. <laughs> yeah, and they're they're remaking bullpen uh, strategy right now. Uh, with what yeah. they're doing, which is really interesting, too. I, I don't expect that to continue, but uh, a good start for them, a good start for a rebuilding team, for sure. Uh, we're going to hit on some high-profile infielders next, and you're going to get us started in Seattle. Yeah, Mariners shortstop Gene Segura was placed on the 10-day disabled list this week after suffering a strain right hamstring while running the bases during Monday's series opener against the Astros. Um yeah, Taylor Motter is filling in at short for Seattle, and 
he's a power speed guy who has already done some nice things in 2017, had a, a nice game on Wednesday, but he's 27 years old and, and not very proven um, and more of an AL only DFS guy for fantasy purposes. I think mm-hmm. the big impact with the Segura injury for mixed leaguers is Gerard Dyson moving into the leadoff spot. Um, he was a popular late round speed option in drafts this spring, at least for me. Um, and I'll give him another boost in my rankings, albeit temporary, while he's batting in front of the likes of Mitch Hanniger and Robinson Cano and Nelson Cruz and Kyle Seeger. Um, Dyson had a 340 on base percentage with 30 stolen bases in 107 games last season. And of those 107 games, he only started 83 of them. Um, just one of the fastest base runners uh, in the game was traded to Seattle in January for right-handed pitcher Nate Carnes. His average draft position in Yahoo leagues was 230.6. We're talking about Dyson. So he might still be available in some leagues. Um, Segura's injury is, is not a major one, um, at least for now. And I, I think like teams are taking advantage of this new 10 day disabled list. Um, and just not messing around with hamstring injuries. Like there were times in the past where, the team's kind of weighing the option of, uh, is this hamstring injury going to be like a seven day thing? Do we really want to lose this guy for 15 days? And instead now they can just throw him on the 10 day DL feel good about giving him some, some real rest and, and getting an additional player on their active roster. Um, so I, I'm, he'll be back before the end of April, but, uh, Dyson for me gets, gets a temporary boost. And I, and I like him even when he's batting lower in that lineup too. Yeah. So as, 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 as a stolen bases guy. If you lost the speed with Segura or with Trey Turner, who I'm getting to next, uh, Dyson is definitely a good fit there. And and Dyson was in waiver wire today, so that means he's available in over 50% of Yahoo League. So chances are he could still be available uh, in your league as well. So Trey Turner pulled his hamstring over the weekend, and this is another one of those cases where they downplayed it, said it wasn't a major thing, but then next day ends up on the disabled list. Um, and I think you're right, you know, especially with a with a hamstring. Uh, it's one of those situations where in the past we just hear day to day, you know, he's making progress and they're they're kind of going back and forth whether this player is going to go on the disabled list. But now they can make that decision quickly. And I guess it's a little annoying for fantasy owners, but I actually don't mind because it's sort of takes the sort of vagueness out of the situation uh just sort of will he or won't he play uh in the end it could be a good thing but i think maybe we'll see more lobbying for maybe a third dl spot sort of being the standard yeah in I, fantasy. Agree with that. I think that could be a good idea um and something i was talking about in waiver wired thursday also is having someone who's multi-position eligible like i mentioned howie kendrick who i'm not crazy about but he qualifies at four positions in Yahoo right now. And having someone like that on your roster, I think is more important this year than it had been in previous years, just because you need someone to fill in at these multiple spots. If we're going to see more players go on the disabled list this year, and I have a feeling we probably will. There's a bunch of shortstops still widely available right now. Tim Anderson out there in about 60% of Yahoo leagues. I was really high on him going into uh, the start of the season. He's off to a bit of a slow start, but I think he's worth sticking with. As Drupal Cabrera included him in waiver wired on Thursday, he's out there in more than half of leagues. Marcus Semyon is getting at least part-time at bats out of the leadoff spot in Oakland. Uh, I don't really love him as a leadoff hitter, but we'll give you some pop and speed. D 
Deeper league options, you could consider Orlando Arcia, off to a slow start with the Brewers, but gives you some speed. Tyler Saladino, Jorge Polanco with the Twins, Freddie Galvis uh, with the Phillies. So guys like that. Um, now we're going to move over to the hot corner, third base, uh, with an update on Adrian Beltre. What's going on there? Yep. You might remember that Adrian Beltre nearly had to pull out of his commitment to representing the Dominican Republic in the World Baseball Classic after suffering a grade one strain of his left calf shortly after arriving at Rangers camp this spring. Um, he went one for 15 in the WBC, and he was 0 for 12 this year in the Cactus League before opening the regular season on the 10-day disabilis with tightness in his other calf, that being the right one. Um, he resumed baseball activities late last week and made it through a few workouts without issue, but as he ramped up the intensity of his running last weekend, um, or the early this week, the, the right calf again started barking, and an MRI taken Tuesday revealed another grade one strain. Again, this is the right calf, and it's I think it's a pretty safe bet that he's going to miss all of April, possibly a good chunk of May. Um, those are 38 legs, 38 year old legs for you. Um, this means we're going to see much more of Joey Gallo, who has started the Rangers' first eight games at third base. Um, not a great defender at third. I think maybe more of like a DH guy long-term in Gallo, but he's he's pretty much their best option right now. Um, Gallo hit a go-ahead two-run triple on Wednesday night against the Angels. He has an 823 OPS with two home runs and nine RBIs through 26 regular season at-bats. He also has 11 strikeouts, and he's a, has a batting average of 192. But that's kind of what you're going to get with Gallo, the power surges and a lot of swings and misses. I didn't draft Gallo in any of my leagues this spring, but he's somebody I'd be pretty happy to own and start right now in, in 12 team and definitely 14, 14 team formats. Uh, as of this recording, he's owned in only 11% of Yahoo leagues. Yeah, and I just saw him draw a walk. Actually, he, the, there we go. The Angels and Rangers are yeah. playing, so <laughs> hey, I have that game on too. Um, yeah, I mean, he's a guy. Maybe I wouldn't start every day. Maybe not even in a twelve-team league. But just the chance that if he hits enough uh, while Bel- Beltre's gone, um, he could find his way in that left field mix once Beltre returns, um, and then who knows what could happen. Um, just with that power potential there, I think he's a guy you could stash and, and maybe start, you know, favorable matchups. Um, and that could pay off or, or if it doesn't, then it's fine. You just drop him and pick up somebody else. But I think, uh, the power potential that he offers, I think it's definitely worth taking a chance on him. Um, I guess we'll stay here in Texas as we transition into talking about the various closers, closer situations around MLB. Uh, Sam Dyson was a mess last week when we did our show and he's mm-hmm. still, he's still a mess now, uh, blew another save Tuesday against the angels has made four total appearances so far. Three of them have been complete disasters. Uh, which way do the Rangers go now? Yeah, we've talked about the Rangers bullpen a lot on this podcast so far. I mean, it looked like one of the more talented groups around the game leading into the 2017 season, and it might still be that. But there are some serious issues. Like you said, Sam Dyson blew his second save of the season this week in really bad fashion against the Angels. He's now 0 for 2 and save opportunities on the year. Um, We've noted that his hold on the closer job might not be so tight leading into the year because of the guys behind him. 
but Matt Bush is experiencing discomfort around the AC joint in his right shoulder. He flew back to Texas on Wednesday for an exam and to get an, an injection. It's not clear how long he's going to be out. He hasn't been placed on the disabled list yet. As of this recording, he did have some AC joint problems last year and worked through them. So maybe this is just going to be a minor blip. Um, so I guess Jeremy Jeffress might get the next shot at saves if manager Jeff Bannister does want to make a change. But Jeffress has also struggled too, allowing three, three runs, two earned over four innings so far. I really don't know. I mean, Dyson might be the the guy to own right now because of all the issues and the uncertainty. But to me, Jeffress is a pretty good stash, and I guess I'd probably hold on to Bush too until we get word, you know, official word about his injury. Yeah, and it seemed that uh, Tony Barnett was in line for the save chance uh, Wednesday night before the Rangers sort of put the game out of reach. Um, so he might not be a bad stash, like a, a deep league stash. He's out there in over ninety percent. Yeah. of yahoo leagues right now but you're kind of just you're guessing i'm guessing who knows mm-hmm. you know what i mean and probably the best outcome especially if bush needs to miss some time is just for dyson to figure it out and and get back on track i would not rule out that possibility at all yeah i mean he's been very solid over over the last two plus years um and and like with 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 so many things happening in that bullpen i feel like banister might just run him out there again but Tony Barnett was, is really good. Um, came came back from Asia to the major leagues and, and had a good year last year. Um, I like him too. I, I, and I, I really like that bullpen. It's just, you know, it's the first week of the season and a reliever gets blown up two times in four appearances and suddenly his ERA is in the 20s. Yeah. <laughs> and it takes a while to get that down, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, staying in the AL West, the Athletics crowded bullpen situation has at least a little more clarity this week, maybe temporary, but it sounds like athletics manager Bob Melvin is content with playing the matchups in the ninth inning between Santiago Casilla and Sean Doolittle. Uh, It might always work out. It might not always work out perfectly. Uh, It's kind of a pain for fantasy owners, but I like it from a strategic perspective. I mean, the thing about Casilla is that he's sort of on a razor's edge here, even still, if he has, you know, a bad week or two, his part of the gig could easily go back to Ryan Madsen, who saved the majority of the games for the Athletics uh, last season. Or maybe they even give Ryan Dull a chance, who I think Dull might be the best pitcher in that bullpen. Um, but both of the pitchers here need to be owned. Yeah, I mean, I, it's weird to me that that Madsen hasn't been a, a factor as big of a factor so far. But I agree. I mean, like I, I think the A's are, you know, they're they're a team that likes to play the the numbers, the matchups, and it probably does make sense to use a combination of all four when, when the matchups and the workloads call for it. Yeah. So it's going to be a headache, but uh, yeah, Casilla, you know, he could be, he wasn't as bad as his, I know the the way things ended with the giants last year wasn't ideal, but if you look at the strikeout rate, it was really good, really solid. So I wouldn't be shocked if he did a decent job in the closer role, at least his part of the closer role moving forward. But uh, last but not least, let's get into that Phillies bullpen. Uh, yeah, it's 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 another situation that we've talked a lot about on this podcast. Yeah. I think we identified it as one of the more shaky situations leading into the season. And sure enough, Jean-Mar Gomez was removed from the closer role this week. Uh, he had allowed six earned runs on six hits, including three home runs through four and a third innings. Uh, Joaquin Benoit is going to be the closer for now, and he's been very good so far this season. 
and 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 pretty good overall in his career. Not a big strikeout guy anymore at age 39, but maybe solid enough to keep the job all year. Hector Neris, I think we would both agree, is is the most talented pitcher in the Philadelphia bullpen. Mm-hmm. But he's a pre-arbitration guy, and as a rebuilding team, the Phillies want to stunt his ability to request big salaries in the years to come. Maybe they're forced to go to Neris at some point. Benoit could get injured or could struggle badly and, and lose the job like Gomez did. But I think if for now, Benoit's the guy to own, and, and they're going to keep Neris in more of a flexible, high-leverage situation between the seventh and eighth innings. Um yeah, I don't. I, I would. I would. I would want to own Benoit. I would drop Gomez, and I would own. I would like to stash Neris. Um, you know, he's a high strikeouts guy, and and maybe he. You know, maybe they're forced to push push him into the closer role. Well, the probably the best case scenario for the Phillies is that Benoit does a really good job for three months and turns into a solid trade chip uh, in July. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And then we, then they could try Neris in the closer role at that time. Um, so if you're going to map it out that way, I think Neris is probably worth keeping anyway, just because like you said, a high strikeout guy, he probably has standalone value in certain leagues, um, regardless of whether he's closing games, but a good guy to have is a handcuff because as you said, um, uh, Benoit, a guy who's a little bit older, um, mm-hmm. he could get hurt at any time. Who knows what could happen? He could also underperform, uh, and Neris could jump into the role there. So and- Neris won't hit arbitration until 2019. So, hmm. like, and that's it's been kind of like a big storyline, but that that the Phillies are kind of trying to stunt his value. But I don't know. Maybe the arbitration system changes. Maybe the people who decide those numbers will will wake up to the idea that saves really aren't that big of a. I mean, aren't that important? <laughs> right. I mean, I feel like the rest of baseball has has woken up to that. Uh, yeah. At least as far as pitchers getting paid in free agency, to me at this point it doesn't matter. It's just can you bring the skills? Like it, it doesn't matter if you're saving games or you're pitching the eighth inning. Uh, it really doesn't matter. So I think you're right. Maybe eventually there's going to be sort of a new evaluation yeah. uh, in the arbitration process. But- as baseball, as yeah, as baseball gets smarter, man, like it's it's hard for fantasy owners to, to deal with these like bullpen situations that are so matchup to matchup in the ninth inning. We talked about. The Reds are doing it. The A's are doing it. Um, and, and maybe the Phillies will do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, before we get into a couple of mailbag questions, I wanted to ask you, uh, any starting pitchers of note from this past week? Uh, who has impressed you so far? Yeah, I'm in love with Amir Garrett, uh, the Reds left-hander. Nice. I, I don't I don't think he <laughs> we we really have a relationship. <laughs> he doesn't know I, it. He doesn't know it, but he, he's he's going to find out. <laughs> I, I don't think he was even on the radar when most leagues held their drafts. You can't even find his name among the published average draft position data on Yahoo. But that's partly or maybe mostly due to the fact that he wasn't officially named to the Reds rotation until the final week of spring training. There yeah, was that some surprised prospect. me. I, I didn't think he was going to be – I thought he was going to yeah. start the year in the minors. I thought he was a lock yeah, to do it. So I thought so too. Um, he went six shutdown innings, allowing just two hits in his major league debut last Friday night in St. Louis, and he posted zeros for six innings Wednesday night in Pittsburgh before David Freeze hit a two-run homer in the bottom of the ninth. Um, 24-year-old left-hander, he's now 2-0 and with a 1.42 ERA and – 0.71 whip through 12 and two third innings this season for Cincinnati. And both of his wins have come on the road against division rivals. He's got nine strikeouts and two walks showing pretty good control for a guy who did have some control problems in the minors. 
Um, Garrett was a highly recruited basketball player out of high school, wound up at St. John's University in Queens for a few years before transferring to California Northridge and focusing more on baseball. Um, He was named a top 100 prospect ahead of the 2016 season after putting up a 2.44 ERA and and 133 strikeouts in 140 innings at High A A Daytona in 2015 and then cemented that top top prospect status in 2015 with similar numbers, um, even better whip and more strikeouts in 144 innings between double A and triple A great American ballpark can be a tough place for pitchers as we all know, but he throws a mid nineties fastball with a good changeup and good slider. And I think if he reigns in his control issues, like he has in his first two starts, he could be a legitimate back end starter in 12 team and 14 tip team mixed fantasy leagues. I think you have to consider that he's devoted a lot of his youth to basketball um, it kind of, almost like a Lorenzo Kane-ish thing where he hasn't really focused on baseball until recently, you know, the last six years of his life. Um, and I think the sky's the limit. A very athletic dude. He likes to draw an A in the dirt on the mound and f- before his starts. Mm. He's done that in St. Louis and Pittsburgh, um, I guess because his name is Amir, <laughs> uh, <laughs> which is I think is kind of funny, but he's probably going to get some blowback from that eventually once teams find out he's doing it. <laughs> um, but... Like I really like I really like him as as a player as a pitcher, I I don't know like he's gonna have some struggles he's gonna have some blow ups at at GABP, that, that being Great American Ballpark but the talent is there man and and if he really puts it together control wise, I I think the the upside is through the roof. Yeah, I mean he's going to be 25 in May, um, but if you like you said, development time wise, he's maybe a bit younger if you think about it from a yeah. baseball perspective. So uh, I still think there's there's work to do there. Uh, and you look at the control in the minors. Um, I was a little concerned about that. And there could be ups and downs with that. Uh, you look at the upcoming matchups. He has the Orioles uh, and then the Cubs. So I think this could be a situation where maybe he has a shaky start or two and ends up getting dropped in some leagues where he's getting picked up right now. So you might end up having another chance at, at him soon if you were unable to grab him. But who knows? Maybe he'll surprise us. I'm definitely excited about him too. I've actually taken him the last two years. Uh, Baseball Prospectus does this prospect mock draft every year. It's 10 rounds. I think there's 12 teams in it. I've gotten him the last two years in that draft. I'm I'm really excited to see what he could do. I was surprised that he arrived this soon, but I think you're right. If you're filling out your rotation in a 12-team mixed league, I think he's someone worth taking a chance on. Um, but I have a question for you, though. Sure. Uh, and this, I, I got some reader questions, and I, I wanted to find a way to get Kendall Graveman into this podcast. So um, two red-hot pitchers to start the year, Garrett Graveman. Um, that, that velocity from Graveman really intriguing so far, which one would you rather have the rest of the way Garrett or Graveman? Man, you know, you bring up the velocity and it makes me think he's going to strike out more batters Graveman than he has in the past. Like he had under 108 strikeouts in nearly 200 innings last year, very much, um, a pitch to contact ground ball type guy, but he has 12 strikeouts in 13 innings this year. Um, and he pitches in a way better ballpark, basically opposite ends of the stretch, uh, uh, opposite ends of the spectrum as far as ballpark factors go. Mm-hmm. I think I would feel like way safer with Graveman. Mm-hmm. Um, man, they're both kind of like borderline streamers for me, if I'm being real. 
Yeah. You you want to you just want a simple answer to this question. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's a simple answer. It's a hard. No, it's it's, it's hard. Um. Man, I think I would go with Garrett because I believe in the upside more. Yeah. I, I think I want to see more from Graveman. I, I think I would take Garrett too. And the reason I yeah. say that is because Graveman is throwing his sinker 90% of the time right now. And I, I kind of wonder how long he can get away with doing that uh, and be successful mm-hmm. uh, if teams are going to make adjustments to him soon. But certainly interesting to see the velocity. And if, if the strikeouts follow, uh, he's really exciting. Um, but I think the upside of Garrett, I might take him. Plus, he's in the National League, you know. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I think I want to see more from Graveman first. Um, I wanted to give some love to Drew Pomeranz really quick yeah. here. I was really down on him coming out of spring training. Looked bad, had a bad spring. Of course, dealt with a flexor strain and a triceps issue along the way. So I really wasn't expecting much from him in his season debut Tuesday against the Orioles, but he was great. Allowed just one run over six innings, uh, gave up four hits, walked one. Struck out six batters, had 10, 10 swinging strikes in his 91 pitches, uh, five with his fastball, five with his curveball. Perhaps the best news was the velocity topped out uh, around 95 miles per hour, averaged 92 miles per hour. I saw a report after the game that he felt a little bit sore, but it doesn't appear to be a major concern. But I'm back on board in mixed leagues after this one, and he's still available in a surprising number of leagues, uh, owning just 66% of Yahoo leagues as of Thursday afternoon. Uh, so 10-team, even 12-team leagues, he still might be out there. Yeah, there have been you know, injuries and role changes with Pomeranz over the last you know, several years, but he has a 3.17 ERA and 338 strikeouts over his last 331 and two thirds major league innings. Like that is really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, I don't know if, if he can stay healthy, like, yeah, I, I just picked him up in this 12 team league that I do with friends. Um, he was still available. I, I don't know how long I'll keep him, but you know, if, if he stays healthy, I, I think he could, he could be a legit 12 team back-end type fantasy starter with with the possibility of much more. Yeah, I mean, the Red Sox offense should be pretty good, so uh, they'll help him there. Maybe not the upside that he had last year pitching in San Diego in the National League, but definitely excited after what I saw this week. Um, Anybody else for you? Yeah, another young starter who's caught my attention here in mid-April is Tigers left-hander Matt Boyd. Uh, he got hammered for five earned runs over just two and a third innings in his regular season debut last Thursday against the White Sox. But the 26-year-old was brilliant in his second start Tuesday versus the Twins, allowed just one hit and two walks over six scoreless innings while striking out six. He has an impressive changeup that he pairs with a mid-90s fastball and a really nasty slider. Um, showed good overall command in that last start opening an 0-1 count to 14 of the 21 batters he faced. Comerica Park is, you know, one of the most pitcher-friendly parks in the majors. Boyd, you look at his overall stats, he he has a 5.63 ERA in his career at the major league level, even after Tuesday's really good outing. But you look at the minor league numbers, and you can see there's legitimate upside here. Um, Former sixth-round pick of the Blue Jays, he had a 2.44 ERA. 1.01 whip and 335 strikeouts over 336 innings in the minors. He also was really good this year in the Grapefruit League, a 23 to 1 K to walk ratio and a 2.10 ERA in 25 and two third innings. 
currently owned in just 4% of Yahoo leagues at the time we're recording this. He's another guy who's probably like borderline streamer, but these are the kind of pitchers I think you want to you want to put on your roster and and hope it hope it all clicks for him. Yeah, I was super close to putting Boyd in in waiver wire this week. I, I put Barnett in his place uh, at the last minute, uh, but yeah, both available in over ninety percent of Yahoo leagues. I think he had some momentum coming out of spring training, then had that bad first start. We saw him get dropped in a ton of leagues. Now he's starting to get a bit popular. We'll see what happens after the third start. Um, I want to see a little bit more from him, but he's definitely on my radar. Uh, before we get into the mailbag, I wanted to mention Zach Wheeler here. Uh, notched his first win since since September 19th, 2014 uh, on Wednesday night against the Phillies. Uh, the overall line didn't really show what he did here. Three runs in five and two-thirds innings, but all three, three of those runs scored on a grand slam as soon as he left the game. Uh, lots of positives to take away. Gave up just four hits, walked just one batter, averaged 95 miles per hour on the fastball, topped out at 97 miles per hour, uh, induced 11 whiffs in his 85 pitches, six of them on his slider. So really positive signs here. I think there are going to be ups and downs with him. We also know he has that innings limit, which is sort of a loose innings limit, I'm guessing in somewhere in the low 100s. And I think the Mets are going to be careful, even as far as his pitch count, how deep he's going to go into games. But I'm seeing enough to at least get interested in get in in mixed leagues. Let me quickly mention as well Joe Ross, who went seven innings of one run ball with six strikeouts Thursday for Triple A Syracuse. Um, he struggled in his first start at Syracuse, but the slider was working today. He cruised through seven efficient innings against the Triple A affiliate of the Tigers. The Nationals need a fifth starter next week. We saw Jeremy Guthrie get blown up Oof. last week. And I think Ross is like definitely going to be the guy. Oh yeah. Um, you know, he, he's 23 with a 3.43 ERA and 93 strikeouts and 105 innings last year. Um, Nationals park is a good park. Uh, the Nationals are a good team. There's win potential there. I, I think he's somebody, you know, if someone has dropped him because he wasn't on the major league roster right away, he's a guy I'd pick up too. Good call. Um, okay. Road to world mailbag time. Uh, we'll start out with a question from, Texas Blue Moon on Twitter. He asks, what are your realistic rest of season expectations from Steven Piscotty? And since you're our resident Cardinals fan, Bruce, <laughs> um, you can take this one. Uh, yeah, I mean, Piscotty didn't have a great finish to the 2016 season and then had a terrible spring training this year before struggling badly over the first week. But he seems to have found his stroke now. He went two for four with two RBIs on Monday and three for five with a homer and five RBIs on Wednesday, lifting his season OPS over 800 you know, in a matter of days, which is obviously an easy thing to do early on. But, um, you know, Piscotty never showed a ton of power in the minors, but he did slug 22 home runs with 85 RBIs over 153 games last season, his first full major league season. And I seriously think he can be like a high 20s, possibly even 30 home run guy this year. With 100 RBIs. Because, he looks like he's capable of that. Yeah. I mean, me. the, the, sw- the swing has always looked steady. Line drives turning into homers and all that. And he's talked about trying to put more balls in the air in 2017. Nice. Um, I think he'll show improved plate discipline in his second full major league season. And then with the RBIs, the Cardinals don't have an obvious cleanup hitter. 
I, well, I think they're obvious cleanup hitters for Scotty. Okay. Um, uh, I was going to say, it's not Johnny Peralta, <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah, I know. It's not Johnny Peralta, and it's not Yadier Molina. As much as I love Yadier Molina. <laughs> bat, bat that man sixth or seventh. Come on. But, you know, Piscotti's a really smart guy, which I think matters. Um, majored in energy and atmospheric engineering at Stanford. <laughs> and the Cardinals clearly believe in him because they signed him to a six-year, $33.5 million contract extension earlier this month which will cover his first two years of free agency i mean he's their best option at cleanup i think you know bush stadium is a hard place to hit homers but i think he could be a 30 homer guy and and if he hits 30 homers he's probably gonna have 100 rbis okay so there you go um our next question is from colin price one on twitter and he asks is this stretch for aaron judge a sign of things to come or just a little blip on the radar um and I'm glad we got a question about Aaron Judge this week because I really wanted to find a way to talk about him. Uh, was featured in Waiver Wired on Thursday as well. Um, as far as what we're seeing right now, I, I don't want to get like too like Neil deGrasse Tyson on you right now, but <laughs> it is a blip in the sense that it's just three games, you know, and and really anything can happen in three games. But uh, I don't think we want to overreact. But whether it's Aaron Judge or anybody else for that matter, but. I think I had the same concerns about him that I had leading into the season, like him being just a guy who's prone to the strikeout. I think that's something that's going to happen. Yeah. Um, but given that we've seen so far, he struck out six times in 29 plate appearances. Um, and we can certainly live with that, but it's still just 29 plate appearances. And uh, we can probably stop trying to take anything away from that until we see a little bit more. But you can't fake the power that he's shown. And if you go by exit velocity... He already has five of the 12 hardest hit balls in Major League Baseball so far this season. Um, that was going into play on Thursday. So he could give Giancarlo Stanton a run for his money there. I think there's going to be good stretches and bad stretches. But as I said before, you look at Judge's track record in the minors. He has a history for making adjustments when he repeats a level. Um, pitchers figured to adjust to him again. I mean, that's what happens in the majors. Uh, hitters adjust, pitchers adjust. It's a constant battle. Um, but you look at the situation in Yankee Stadium, in the AL East, I think it's worth taking a chance on him in most formats. Yeah, man. I, I was watching, I watched that whole game uh, on Wednesday. He nearly took the head off of Jumbo Diaz with a, yeah. his single up the middle. It was 116.5 miles per hour off the bat. Scary. And then uh, and the next or two innings later, he hit a, a home run into Monument Park at Yankee Stadium that went 437 feet. I mean, the the raw power is for real. There are going to be some bad stretches, and I, like if it's a three outfielder league, he might be like a guy who's in and off my bench. Mm-hmm. But the upside is there. I mean, we always talk about upside, and he's got it. Yeah, I'm into it. I, you know, he's a guy where if he does go into one of those really bad funks, you could probably you could probably drop him in a ten team league. But if he's going well, you want to take a chance on him. Again, the situation in Yankee Stadium in those really hitter friendly ballparks of the AL East, you know, making trips to Toronto and Boston and Baltimore, I think he's worth having around. And and it's probably you know with Gary Sanchez out, who knows? Maybe he might find a more prominent place in that lineup. So. Uh, I think it's a good situation there. Um, We'll have to wrap things up here for this week. Uh, If you want to submit your questions to the Roto-World Mailbag, you can email rotoworldbaseballpod at gmail.com. Again, that email address is rotoworldbaseballpod at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter. Uh, I'm on Twitter at DJ Short. 
Drew is on Twitter at Drew Silve, and we'll see you next time. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.